welcome. This is an awesome podcast. This yeah. is one of my favorite ones. <laughs> to the Jeff. It's a lot of whiskey, Jeff. Macalino. Jeff Macalino. 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 Podcast. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I've got another great one for you today with uh, Robert uh, Bob Ginsburg. Bob Ginsburg joins me. I'll tell you more about him in a second. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Thank you for uh, telling a friend. Um, I've got to say how appreciative I am up front. The uh, audience uh, numbers continues to grow. I think it's been, I don't know, eight weeks in a row with consistent growth. The last couple, uh, big time, uh, compared to uh, previous weeks. So thank you to all of you who listen to me. Um, hey, and a special thanks also to all of you who also subscribe to the YouTube channel. I'm getting close to being able to uh, make a few pennies on there. I think don't know the don't know the rate, but it's not even a penny per view. I know, but <laughs> hey, I'm getting close. So go ahead if you're not. It's in the show notes. Click on my YouTube channel, and also if there's any fast food items you want me to try out, <clears throat> let me know. You can comment there. You can email me. I, do whatever you want. Uh, just let me know. You know, try to stay on top of the fast food items, and also I try to put some podcast clips on there. Uh, kind of little teaser clips, some little flashback clips to uh, episodes you may have listened to, but now you can see some of the, the video of me talking with <clears throat> the guests. So, uh, yeah, before I, I move on, I've got to uh, shout out my uh, partners over with uh, Ibotta. That's the cashback shopping app that makes every purchase rewarding when shoppers start with Ibotta, they can earn cash back on hundreds of brands and retailers, both in-store and online, pretty much any place you can think of. Walmart, Target, Kroger, Publix, ABC Liquor, uh, all of those places. Uh, earn cash back. Just download the app. Use the link below so they know I sent you. And, uh, you know, start making a few extra bucks doing something you're already doing. Uh, and uh, also shout out to my partners at Flaviar. Uh, Flaviar, this is the club you'll be telling all your friends about. Taste exciting craft and premium spirits. Ac access elusive drinks. A nope. <laughs> access exclusive drinks. And learn the ways of a true whiskey aficionado. All of a sudden, you'll find yourself with a personal home bar from the Best of bourbon, scotch, rum, gin, or tequila, and heaps of stories to tell. Just don't let me around the tequila unless you want to clean up my vomit. Anyways, if you want to join Flaviar, go to the link below and uh, sign up so they know that the Jeff Macalino podcast sent you. All right, Robert Ginsburg joined me. He is the founder of the Forever Family Foundation. He wrote a book called The Medium Explosion, and he's also currently featured in the Netflix docuseries called Surviving Death, which is pretty fascinating stuff there. Uh, he's been investigating mediumship and other evidence of life 
uh, after death since 2003. And he also, we talk about this, he conducts a certification process by which mediums are evaluated to see if they can actually do what they claim. He's kind of trying to make it a, a scientific process. Uh, very interesting stuff. Uh, we talk about a lot of different things. I, I just kept writing things down to ask him about, and he uh, gave thoughtful answers to everything. Um, the afterlife, obviously, ghosts, heaven and hell, aliens. I talked to him about Thomas Jefferson, uh, the metaphysical Thomas Jefferson, the book whose author, Suzanne Munson, I interviewed in episode 77. Uh, I asked him his opinion on that. I talked to him about uh, dreams. I don't know if I mentioned that. And of course, the big one, talk to him about God. Uh, so just, a, I was fascinated by the conversation. I could have talked to him uh, for days and days. This stuff is fascinating to me. Um, so I hope you enjoy it and I'll see you on the back end. All right, everybody, I am now very happy to welcome Bob Ginsberg to the Jeff Macalino podcast. How are you, Bob? All right, uh, Jeff, uh, happy to be with you today. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited to talk uh, to you about uh, some interesting stuff. Um, well, hopefully, hopefully it's interesting. We'll let the listeners decide. <laughs> but uh, I certainly think it is. Um, to, to, to give you a little background, I, I don't know much about uh, life after death type stuff. I, I, you know, frankly, if someone asked me what I believed, I would say, I, I don't have, I, I don't, I don't know. But um, the medium aspect of things also started interesting me. Oh, inter uh, my words are fumbling, failing me. But it started to interest, yeah. <laughs> Easy for me to say. Yeah. Started piquing my interest, <laughs> right? Uh, because I talked to a lady who wrote a book called "The Metaphysical Thomas Jefferson," where she basically went through a medium and asked her questions, and she allegedly asked Thomas Jefferson these questions and wrote it all down in a book. Um, whether I believe it or not, again, that's besides the point. But the whole concept of it was still very intriguing and. Uh, made a lot of sense. And I know uh, you know more than, than I do on all of these topics. So, so that's why I'm excited to have you on. <laughs> um, go, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, listen, I mean, it's just, you know, you mentioned that you really don't know much about life after death. Essentially, none of us do, you know, right. uh, until that time comes. Although there's certain types of evidence that we can uh, examine to make an educated or form an educated opinion about whether we do survive. And there's a lot of evidence that's compelling, which incidentally, 20 years ago, um, I didn't believe in at all. You know, I mean, I, I was I was very skeptical. I was an open minded skeptic, but nonetheless, um, uh, I didn't see how it was possible for something to survive, you know, physical death. I said, well, what could possibly survive? You know, where are our brains? Our brains are no more. So what what goes on? Then you know that's some of the stuff that I started investigating and learned a great deal about. Yeah, and it's interesting um, in the little bit because I, I started watching and, and you're featured in this uh, 
uh, life at what's it called? Surviving yeah, death. Surviving on death on Netflix. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And, and I started watching that. And, and so the first thing I went in thinking is all these out of body experiences, you know, where people, you know, see their family members in the afterlife or, or whatever that all is. Uh, I'm a very vivid dreamer. So my thought is, you know, these people probably just had a dream and, you know, you, but doing the measurement of their brain activity that i mean i assume they that if you measure someone while they're dreaming you read brain activity firing off um yeah you know, you know what, what's really compelling you know uh talking about near-death experiences is that people that have these experiences they meet every definition that medical science has for death they have no brain waves they have no respiration they have no heartbeat have no reflexes. So science, medical science says they're dead. Um, and yet they have these clear and lucid experiences. And some of them, not every experiencer has, you know, sees a tunnel and goes through a tunnel to the light and so forth. But there are about 10 or 15 things that are commonly reported. You know, not every experiencer has every one of them. But what's really compelling to me is, you know, they, they describe leaving their body so their consciousness or their mind goes outside the body um, and then they come back with evidence of you know they could talk about things that went on in the operating room while they were dead or you know uh, being outside the hospital you know from looking from from above the hospital um, and then you know you can investigate these things and to see if they're true or not and then they, they turn out to be true uh, you know, some of them report, um, you know, the most common thing, like you were probably thinking, well, you know, maybe that's the product of a dying brain, you know, uh, uh, you know, lack of oxygen. But, you know, the lack of oxygen or hypoxia, what happens is, I mean, even with fighter pilots, you know, that they're with the high altitude, they can go through that. But the experiences they have are anything but clear and lucid. They're all disjointed and, and they're thrashing about and so forth. And yet, you know, so how can somebody who's has a dying brain have this, you know, they, people come back and they describe thinking clearer than they ever had, you know, in their physical lives. So I think that um, it's good evidence that something survives a physical death. Now, some people may say it's our consciousness and some people might use the term uh, our mind, which is essentially the same thing, or some would prefer soul, but mm -hmm. something, um, you know, it seems that we're more than our physical bodies. It's, you know, what's interesting to me about it is a lot of times when I bring this up with people just broach the topic in conversation, you know, people who are like me and don't really know anything about it with atheists you get obvious pushback of oh no there's no afterlife you're when you're dead you're dead there's nothing after this um right. i don't know how if some and i've discussed it with atheists that bothers the hell out of me uh but a lot of them find peace in that but you're just your physical body's dead you're dead it's like oh okay yeah, yeah. Uh, that seems really dark and disturbing but i guess maybe it's just the way my brain works that other people find that to be satisfying yeah, you're not yeah you're not alone in thinking like that jeff because a lot of people have a fear of death and really that they're, they're fearing being um they fear being extinguished or being no more they can't conceive of 
you know, of just being forever extinguished and like obliterated from, from this earth. So um, that's a common uh, thing. And then one of, the, one of the advantages of believing in this or learning about it and coming to the realization that we survive is that it can enable you to live your life more fully because you're not afraid of dying, you know, if yeah. you think that you're going to go on and if you think you might see your, your deceased loved ones, you know, I mean, that can, could go a long way for people that are in grief, you know, which is some of the work that we do, you know, the thing that you saw on Netflix, they filmed one of our grief retreats. Um, and, um, you know, you see people, you know, at that, at these retreats, we have these certified mediums, which are mediums that we have evaluated under controlled conditions, you know, uh, testing them to see if they really can do what they claim. So we have certified mediums there. We have uh, grief professionals. Uh, we have metaphysical practitioners and so forth. And we see the people when they come in, in various stages of grief, sometimes they can barely speak that they're, you know, that they're, um, they're in such, they have such sorrow. And then at the end uh, of the weekend, you know, there's a lightness and all of a sudden they're smiling and talking and sometimes the effects are long lasting. So, you know, and th there have been a lot of uh, peer reviewed um, scientific studies that, that, sh that show that people who believe in life after death do better in their grief than those who don't. And that makes sense, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's funny with me though, uh, you know, even religious people who do believe, you know, heaven and hell type thinking, and maybe maybe that ties into this, is they seem to give a lot of pushback to things also when I talk to them of not of there being an afterlife, of course, but uh, I, I, I get confused with that, with them fighting against it. And more so, I guess they argue about whether mediums uh, can do what they claim to do. Uh, but I don't really understand how religion precludes that i mean I, I only can really proclaim to know a decent amount about catholicism because that's how i was raised yeah um but i don't know anything specifically that would say you know there couldn't be gifted individuals who are capable of communicating to people who are in heaven if, if you're framing things that way yeah you know you're you're you're, you're right to question and be troubled by that because it doesn't seem to make any sense because they're always talking about an afterlife but you know they're talking about an afterlife with rules mm -hmm. so you know if you do this and this and this you're going to go here and if you do this this and this you're going to go there and you better do good things so you don't go there you know um but yet um the leaders of 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 uh and founders of today's organized religions all came out of uh, ages of mysticism, where they believe they they regularly commune with their ancestors. You know, they didn't see any much of a line between this world and the next world. Uh, but a lot of you know, with a lot of organized religions, they come in and they set the rules and say, look. Um, we can communicate, you know, with the dead, but you don't try it. That's not for you, you know, which always didn't make any sense to me. Yeah, well, I guess it uh, that 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 goes to speak to my uh, I, I go on many rants, usually government based rants about just people wanting power and control. And that's really what people get off on. And I guess you could make organized religion, you know, I've said this, and I don't know, I don't mean to say this in a rude way, but I always assume the Pope is really not a good guy because to play the game to get to that level, probably have to do some underhanded backstabbing type things that aren't really Catholic in in nature. Not what not what you're taught as a child at going to Catholic school at least. Right. Uh, yes. 
and he might be a nice man but but that's just my skeptic (laughs) yeah i'm with you on that (laughs) it's um the other thing that's interesting just looking at it from i want to go more into afterlife stuff but from the skepticism about mediums so i'm i'm a skeptic i i i would say if you said i had to choose do i believe that mediums can do what they say or not I would still lean towards no, but I'm more on the fence about it because I do believe that there are individuals who have gifts beyond what normal people have. Um, so I, I, I'm, again, it would be like, I would like to believe it, it, it does work. I also understand from talking to like a mentalist or someone who can, you know, openly say, I don't actually read minds. I just know how to read people and say things that they'll respond to positively. But even talking to a mentalist, you know, who, who is openly admits that they don't have any special powers other than substantial powers of reading body language and, and, and intelligent intelligence. Um, So I'd argue they do have some special powers, but um, the the argument was we still can help people even so my i guess that's my stance on it is even if you said well mediums are are not they don't actually communicate with the dead i would still say well if they help people cope or get better why are why are you against it it's it's like a, a form of therapy now again i understand that if you're saying well they're frauds but if i knew a loved one who couldn't get over a family member's death and someone said, I can fix them by, by telling them I'm talking to that person and everything's okay. And I can get them out of their depression. I'd say, yeah, do it. I don't, you know, just do it. So that's yeah, part I, I of my stance what, too. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. But, you know, part of that um, kind of the whole concept of that kind of offends me because, I, you know, they're acting right. in a fraudulent capacity. Look, I, you know, I, I wrote a book called The Medium Explosion. One of the reasons that I wrote it is because, and I go out on a limb in the book, but, you know, based upon, you know, my research since 2005 and everything, you know, literally witnessing, you know, hundreds upon hundreds of medium readings, um, that 85 to 90% of all the mediums out there practicing today uh, cannot do what they claim, which means that- Okay. Only 10 to 15% can. Now, I'm not saying that 85% of the mediums are fraudulent. Um, Some are, uh, but most of them have some intuitive ability, as do you and I to various degrees, Um, but they don't really have any um, consistent ability to, you know, to to talk with the dead. Um, So uh, one of the reasons that we started the certification program was to provide a resource for the bereaved. Uh, so, you know, these are people, uh, you know, we control the whole thing. They do a series of five different readings. We train sitters, sitters are people that are getting the readings on how to score the information. Um, I could give you a reading now as a non-medium, Jeff, and probably get 90% accuracy because I'm going to say all sorts of general stuff that right. I, you know, like you were referring to based on body language or, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're the medium and you're giving me a, a reading right now and you say, Bob, uh, I have a, your great grandmother here. Do you have a great grandmother in spirit? Well, <laughs> yeah, right. I should be 140, you know, so, so, um, so, but if I was scoring it, I'd have to mark that as a hit because it's true. 
but it's certainly not evidential. You know, whereas right. if you said, Jeff, if you said, Bob, I, I have your, your grandmother, Rebecca here, and my grandmother's name was Rebecca, well, that should, you know, carry more weight because it's a specific piece of information. So in the process, we weed out those who are just, you know, spitting back. Um, and, it, and it's a problem today because we, we you know, when COVID hit, the, all the mediums stopped doing in-person readings. So they were mm. doing them all on Zoom. And we actually caught a medium, just like in the situation we're in now, they have the person's name. And they, so they're, they're seeing the sitter. And on the right side of the screen, they have that person's Facebook page open. Right. And giving a reading and they're spitting back every single thing that's in. And the, and the sitter doesn't know the difference. And the sitter is saying, wow, this is the greatest medium that ever lived. But it was it was a total fraudulent reading. So it's a problem. But, the, you know, and, and also when it comes to mediumship, people in deep grief, um, if they get and they're on the fence about whether, you know, their loved ones still survive and they get a. Um, a terrible reading or a fraudulent one, they're going to walk away from that in worse shape than they were before. Right. Because they're going to say, well, this is all a crock and this is, you know, so it doesn't exist and, and, and they get, you know, uh, more depressed. So um, mediumship comes with a, a tremendous responsibility, uh, you know, and so I, we get into all those things about how mediums work and how to prepare for a reading. And, you know, you don't want to give them information. You want the information right. to come to you. And there's also a difference between, being a psychic and being a medium, because there are a lot of people, um, and it's a gift to be able to read minds, you know, uh, of the living. Um, but you know, the mediums are psychic, uh, but there are a lot of psychics that have no ability to communicate, um, you know, with the deceased. So there is a distinct this distinction there. Um, and going back a little bit to what you said before, there are a lot of mediums. They they think that. If they give a message to the sitter, you know, that they're love, you know, the, the person in spirit loves them, that, you know, that makes the, the sitter feel good. And the medium says, well, my job is done, you know, but we, you know, tell the mediums, look, the sitter cannot accept a message unless you first provide the evidence to convince the sitter that, the, you know, the medium is really talking to their loved one. Otherwise, how can you really trust trust the message? Of course, you love you know your 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 deceased mom loves you. You know all moms you know for the most part love their kids. Uh, but if I'm giving you seven pieces of specific information for mom, and then I say, oh, by the way, mom's telling me that she loves you, well, it, then you can take the message. You know. Yeah, it's a um, and I like the fact. I mean, and this is you know part of the reasons I even. Uh, wanted to talk to you of, of, you know, among other people, is you do cer certify them, which, and, and again, you, you know, you are not, you're not a blind believer. You're, <laughs> you, you're someone who, who, uh, who, who is verified. And, and the fact that you said, you know, 85% are, you know, not real mediums. Um, and I'm sure I, I'm sure a percentage of those uh, kind of what you hinted to is I'm sure a percentage of those think they are, um, yeah. but they're more just giving general general. Oh, here goes my words again. <laughs> I swear I'm not even drunk. <laughs> <You're all excited. laughs> Generalities. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Um, because I did. I, I thought I'm like, 
look, I could, I, I was talking to my mom about this and I'm like, look, I could say, oh, you're your father. Well, I, I never met my grandfather, actually either grandfather. Um, but I'm sure I could d describe them in a way that you would say, oh yes, that's them. Um, just from the, you know, you, you, oh, he was such a, a good hearted person. And uh, again, generality, positive, uh, assuming they have a positive relationship with someone they're trying to communicate with. Um, so I do like the, the certification aspect and where, so what, what, uh, where do people, uh, go or uh, what do you recommend to someone who's interested in seeing a medium to do their research where, you know, before yeah. they go? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, there aren't that many places you can go to to find a reliable medium. You know, we um, conduct this program. No money ever changes hands. You know, the medium can't pay to participate. If they do get certified, they can't pay us to be listed on the on the website. Um, we, we don't want to uh, dilute uh, the integrity, you know, of the process. Um, but right, you know, we've been, as I mentioned, we've been doing it since 2005. And I think we have 25 mediums. That's not a lot considering, no. uh, you know, uh, the, how many years we've been doing it. So, you know, there are other organizations that have um, evaluated um, mediums, some like Winbridge Institute under scientific conditions. Um, and, uh, you know, there's always also recommendations and word of mouth and, or, you know, books that you read. Although, because just because your friend got a great reading from a medium, that doesn't mean that you're going to get one too, you know, the resonance, you know, may, may not be there. Uh, but um, for, you know, we have a, our website is foreverfamilyfoundation.org and we maintain a, a list with contact information for all the mediums that we've certified. The problem for us is that many of the mediums that we certified uh, over the years have become famous, you know, there are TV shows and books and, and you know what happens when somebody becomes famous, all of a sudden, they're doing fewer and fewer readings. Their waiting lists are three years long. Right. They're charging crazy amounts of money. So it kind of defeats the purpose of the program. So we're constantly trying to identify uh, new mediums. We don't solicit any mediums, um, but people can go on the website and there's instructions on how to start the process um, if they're interested in, 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 in being evaluated. You know, It's not, a, not an easy process. I've seen really accomplished mediums that have been doing it for... 15, 20 years that go through the process and they're so nervous that they're falling apart because a medium has never been put in, in a clinical atmosphere of being evaluated or tested. So they can really, you know, uh, impede the process. And we understand that, but it's the best that we can do, you know? Uh, yeah, no, it, it, it uh, and it does, it would make sense too, that you could Again, if it's a if it's a special gift, one would assume they have to be able to be comfortable in, in using it, so they could stumble, you know, just from from nerves or or their own, you know, things going on. I know. I had one medium actually. It was like a month ago that was appeared to be having a nervous breakdown in the first reading. I was, you know, I spent my time like trying to, you know, talk them calm them down, you know, it's okay. You know, it's, it doesn't happen often, you know, but it happens. But, you know, I think back, um, I remember distinctly a little over 20 years ago playing golf with a friend of mine and we we're in a car together and we were waiting to tee off at the next hole. And my friend's wife had recently passed uh, from cancer. 
And my friend looked at me and he said, Bob, I have to tell you something. And I said, yeah. He says, well, I went to a medium. And right away I gave him that look, you know, and he goes, and she told me all of this information about, you know, my, you know, his wife, Karen, that she, the medium couldn't possibly have known. And I'm being, trying to be a good friend and I'm listening. And he just looks at my, my eyes and I was probably giving him the same look that people give me, me now, you know, he, <laughs> says, he says, you don't believe any of this, do you? And I, all I could manage was, well, um, who knows, Kenny, like, who knows? And I remember going home and telling my wife, oh my God, I'm so worried about Kenny. He's so overwhelmed with his grief. He's going to some fortune teller who's taking his money. You know, that's what I thought about mediums at the time. Um, so, you know, my wife is kind of, completely changed since then. And that's why I have a lot of patience for people who don't believe in mediums or any of the afterlife evidence, because I was one of those people. Yeah, it's, um, and, and again, it's, it's, I feel like I'm starting to open my mind, uh, you know, I'm 35, but you know, the way I treat my body, I'm, I'm beyond middle age. So, <laughs> so, so I, I guess maybe that's part of it. When you get older, you start trying to take assessment, you ask more questions um, about life and, and what's after life. Um, do, while we're on the topic of mediums, so I'm, I mentioned uh, in, the, in the very beginning, I, I, this woman wrote this book called The Metaphysical Thomas Jefferson. And her her uh, now she was not a medium herself um she had mediums she trusted and uh you know that she had met and 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 she trusted the process um she was of the thought process that metaphysical history uh is going to be something that uh becomes a thing uh meaning that well, I guess pretty obviously that people will start using mediums to, you know, ask famous dead people uh, to comment on the current world or their story or things like that. Um, I guess I'll, I'll, you probably, I assume your answer is going to be, I couldn't know unless I knew the medium, but on its surface, does that seem like bull crap or does that seem like it could be a thing? Well, you know, here's the problem. You never know. I mean, there are a lot of mediums in history, especially during the, the Victorian uh, era that um, that did channeling, you know, so the, the person in spirit would take over their body and they usually would do a process called automatic writing where they just would pick up a pen and kind of uh, get into this uh, zone or an altered state of consciousness. And they would just write what the person in spirit is dictating. And sometimes there were people um, of note, you know, and sometimes they, they, they were not. And, and there would be all sorts of things. Um, sometimes they talk about science, sometimes they talk about what the afterlife was like, sometimes they would talk about, you know, history. Uh, but a lot of the things involved, you know, messages and there weren't really, it wasn't a great deal of evidence, you know. So, I mean, if you give me a, spe a specific fat, fact, I could look it up and I can see whether, you know, that's true or not. So, in this channeling, I, I once sat with a, um, a physical medium, you know, from another country, somebody who goes, does these seances and, and these historical figures come through and take over um, the medium's voice. And, um, and I wasn't impressed because I didn't, to me, I, 
first of all, those seances take place in total darkness. So there's a tremendous amount of fraud that could take place, um, you know, because there's movement of objects and various, you know, lights that go on and so forth. So I walked away from there saying, I was open-minded. I said, this is either one of the most fantastic things I've ever witnessed or it's a total fraud. It's just a show, you know, yeah. and I couldn't, I couldn't make an informed decision because it's in darkness. So I, I couldn't see anything that was going on. So it's, it's similar to people that, that say that they can do channeling. And, and um, you know, I also once many, many years ago sat with um, a woman who claimed to, to uh, be able to channel um, uh, she called them, uh, you know, the, the band, which were uh, Thomas Edison, um, uh, Albert Einstein, uh, Tesla, um, you know, you know, so we had the people sitting in the group and she purportedly was was in contact with them. And then she opened it up. She says, anybody have any question? So, you know, for for Dr. Einstein and a woman in the group said, yeah, you know, I have a doctor's, uh, a dentist appointment next week. I mean, how's that going to go? I'm like, <laughs> I just threw up my hand. You've got Albert Einstein. <laughs> You're asking him how your damn teeth, like the cleaning is going to go, you know? So that that's, you know, I just lost it with that. But um, it's hard to say. I mean, I try to remain open to all these things, but, you know, uh, look, you know, you talked about Thomas Jefferson, um, um, Abraham Lincoln's wife, you know, Mary uh, held se seances in the White House regularly. Um, so um, it's something that um, was very prevalent. I mean, I, right now there's an explosion of mediums, but there was an equal explosion, you know, 120 years ago. So, you know, it, it's nothing new. Um, you know, something is taking place with some, but, you know, it's just being able to weed out those who, who can't, you know, from those who can it's one thing that um, I had touched on when I spoke to her and, and again, she didn't claim to have the answer to it, but she, uh, my response to that metaphysical type thing is I'm like, well, by that method, could someone then get a medium to, to, to a terrible, uh, like Hitler. Uh, and she's like, well, no, I don't, I doubt that he's in a place yeah, kind of a, a heaven and hell almost answer. Like, ah, he's probably not in a place where a medium can get to him or something. She didn't say it quite like that. Yeah. And I'm like, well, so so the question is, does, sorry, I got a mosquito. Um, the question then is, well, do you have to live a certain, I, from near-death experience people or, or people who technically were dead and came back, um, they always seem to describe when they're, you know, moving to the next realm, for, for lack of a better word, it, it, it sounds euphoric, like, it, it, you know, uh, do terrible people get to experience that as well? And again, this could be the yeah. old school Catholic thinking <laughs> coming right. out. Well, here, here's the consensus from a different couple of different perspectives, but you mentioned near-death experiences. So a great many of them talk about going through a life review. And during that life review, their whole life passes by like a movie reel, you know, I mean, and, um, and they're seeing everything that happened in their life, but they're getting to feel, you know, all of the good and the happiness that they brought upon others. But conversely, they also feel 
all of the the harm and all the sadness and and uh, that they inflicted upon others, and that can't be a comfortable feeling. Um, so, so the consensus is that there's no panel of judges or or a supreme uh, being that says you go here or you go there. But we um, we're our own judges. It's all based on self judgment, and we go to where we belong, you know, so somebody like you mentioned, Hitler is going to go among people that think like he does, uh, whereas somebody else uh, might be in, in a different place. Also, though, what we surmise is that even, you know, the miserable human beings like Hitler, um, everybody in these afterlife realms go through a period of progression, you know, where for some, it'll take a lot longer than others. But, um, you know, our, our souls, so to speak, are a conglomerate possibly of many different lifetimes. Um, and it's the, the, the over soul, um, when, you know, we learn different lessons and, and we, we, we advance by learning those lessons. So I don't think anybody is really condemned, you know, to go to one place where they're there in eternity. Um, it, it's a progression no matter, you know, how miserable you were here. Also you, with mediums, I was thinking along the same lines as you, Jeff, because I said, wait a second. One day I sat down and I said, I've seen six, 700 readings, not one, and not one did the medium ever bring through negative information. You know, how is that possible? There's good and evil in, you know, right. in this world. And I'm thinking if there's good and evil in, in this world, you know, there has to be some degree of that in the, in the worlds to come. When I ask the mediums, they tell me that before they do a reading, they ask the universe or their guides or whoever they want to ask to surround them, you know, with white light and not all, only allow good and not allow any negative stuff to come through. I don't know. Um, it seems unusual to me that negative stuff. Well, I think it's more of a case, though, that negative stuff does come through sometimes, but they're ethical and they don't want to, you know, bring that up to, to the sitter because you don't want to inflict harm or, or uh, contribute to somebody's um, sadness. So, um, but, um, you know, like if they get, they may be doing a reading and, you know, mom in spirit is to, through the medium is telling them that their daughter, who's the sitter has some sort of medical condition, you know, and, and it's serious and they should, so the medium might say, by the way, you know, you know, next time you go for a doctor's appointment, um, well, yeah, have you been for one lately? You know, that might be a good idea and you know, nothing serious, but just to check it out to try to soften the blow. But I am, they, get, they get information like that, but they're not going to bring any dire, uh, convey any dire information to the center. Right. I guess it's a, I guess it's a field where people are going there to try to heal, not to, yeah. I, I, my, I guess my, my thought, again, I, this is just my, always going to the bad place is, is well, there's got to be one, you know, racist, just asshole medium out there. Who's like, we're going to get some Nazi propaganda going here. <laughs> I'll, I'll find a message to people. <laughs> yeah. Well, mediums are human. So you're going to get that in, in any, any line of work. Um, you know, we, one of the things that, even though the, our organization is involved with mediums because they're a strong piece of evidence of, of life beyond the physical, um, 
but we want to, you know, show people that they have the same abilities um, to a certain degree. You know, and we, we stress various like uh, techniques like meditation to get in an altered state of consciousness, you know, and that might provoke a, a dream visitation, which is different than a so-called ordinary dream, because in these dream visita visitations, they see somebody that's already, you know, passed and it's very uh, tactile. They could talk to them or touch them or smell them and have conversations with them. And it kind of has a different feel to it. And if you ever had a dream visitation, you, you'll know, you know that you had it and it stays with you, unlike a regular dream that you forget as soon as you wake up. So there are various things that people can do to try to promote their own type of communication. So uh, that, that plays well with, uh, with me. Uh, I, I, I'm a very vivid dreamer, like not through meditation. Like when I sleep sober, I have dreams that usually <laughs> wake me up within 30 minutes because they are so real and intense. Yeah. Now, sometimes uh, the alcohol just dilutes the uh, intensity of the dream and the lucidity of it. But um, I mean, I've had dreams I know where I've had dead relatives in them uh for for lack of a better term or where it's even i guess my you know sometimes i i like to think okay well maybe my when i dream i'm actually something good is happening inside of me and and i choose to dilute it uh through through substances um but yeah, I mean, I, 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 then by the other token, it's like, well, maybe it was just, you know, I also have nonsensical dreams where, you know, me and my eighth grade class are, are, are going to school. Why am I having a dream about being late to school when I'm 35 years old? Why am I yeah. going to my middle school? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so it's the same thing. It's like, well, I may have seen my uncle Alfred in a dream, but I also, you know, the next night I dreamt I was in eighth grade for some reason. So it's hard to, I, I don't. And again, the, the answer could be maybe some are real and some are not, or they're all yeah. not real. Yeah. I, I tend to think that way. I think that many of the dreams like you just described, we rehash past events. Mm. You know, they're all scrambled or deep in our consciousness. Um, in terms of communi communication dreams, the theory is that when our, monkey mind or chatter mind is set aside like during certain stages of sleep that it presents a conduit. So the people in the spirit world, they're all thought and energy. So um, they're able to um, use that conduit to, to connect their, you know, thoughts, you know, with, with you um, because you're not analyzing and you're not, you don't have any distractions. So um, we don't really know, but, um, you know, thousands upon thousands of people report these dream visitations, you know, all the time. Um, and it can be very, you know, healing for them. Um, if you question it, you know, chances are it wasn't a dream visitation. But if you wake up saying, wow, you know, then, you know, then, then the likelihood is just what it seems that you did have some sort of communication. You know, I, uh, the reason I got into this kind of exploration was that I, uh, you know, one one morning, my you know, my wife woke up trembling and she told me that something horrible was going to happen that day. 
you know, something devastating. Um, and that, um, which couldn't pinpoint what it was. And to make a long story short, I, I took it seriously um, because she had these other like precognitive moments where she said something was gonna happen and they always played out exactly the way she said, but they were all good things. But logically I said, well, if she was right then she could be right now. And I took it seriously. And then I let my guard down at night um, and you know, let it fade from my awareness. And my son and my daughter were in a, a car accident. My daughter didn't survive and my son was seriously injured. So eventually when my, my son uh, was clear that he was gonna survive his injuries, uh, and I came out of my shock and stupor, I remembered that morning and I said, wait a second, how, how did my wife know? Because she knew. I, shaking she was ash and white you know and i started that started me on a quest being a left-minded uh, logical thinker um you know i started traveling across the united states meeting with medical doctors and scientists and researchers that studied consciousness because i wanted to find out how she knew um you know and um so that you know one thing went into another um and then eventually we started the foundation and now we Work, work with researchers that study you know, all this stuff, a lot of which you, you know, can see on that Netflix uh, series. Um, so, um, you know, there's a lot of things, you know, that either you believe that we're more than our physical bodies or you don't, you know. Uh, there are many things that show that our uh, mind can act independently of our physical brain. I don't know if you ever heard of remote viewing, um, but remote viewing, our own government, the CIA, in the during the Cold War, uh, would recruit these people that could do remote viewing. They would give them a latitude and a longitude, usually of some secret base that the Russians had, and they these remote viewers could extend their send their consciousness. I don't know how they would do it, and then come back and draw accurate depictions and descriptions of what they saw. And if the government was pouring money into this and the program lasted many, many years, you know that there was something to it. And then it was re only recently declassified, you know, and it's quite inc incredible. How is that possible? Um, you know, I, I read, um, you know, 10 or 20 books on the subject, and this has been going on remote viewing for close to 100 years. And I did my own experiment where I, uh, I was living in New York at the time, and I, and I I put out word that every night for a 15 minute interval between nine and 9.15 PM, I was gonna draw a picture. And I just said, anybody, even if you don't think you have any ability at all and you wanna join in, at that appointed hour each day, just pick up a, pe a pencil and draw something. And at the end of the five days, uh, people, uh, this, was, this was back in 2005, so, a lot of people weren't even that comfortable with email and the right you now and so forth. So they physically mailed in, you know, the, the series of photos. Now I'm a horrible artist, but when I said that there, I'm just going to draw a picture that could be millions of different things. So I drew five different, and I wouldn't even think of what I was going to draw until five seconds before the appointed hour, because I wanted to try to eliminate the possibility that they were reading my mind as incredible that, as that might seem. And on the last day, I decided I'm going to screw with everybody. Instead of drawing a picture, I was going to draw a geometric shape. And I drew a dot with concentric circles, you know, that went around it. And then now all the things 
uh, all the envelopes start coming in and I'm opening them all up. And frankly, I wasn't impressed. You know, I was kind of disappointed that, yeah, maybe if I wanted to stretch, you know, but I, I wasn't going to do that. So I, I thought the experiment was, experiment was, had no results. And the very last envelope that came in was from a woman in Bend, Oregon, uh, 3000 miles from New York. And she didn't participate in one of the days, but out of the four drawings um, she, she gave me, two were exact. I mean, exact. Um, even the concentric circles, you know, that, that I drew. And then I drew a colonial house with a chimney on the left and the sun in the right and a series of windows. I mean, exact. The other two, she also got, but she got all the components, but it was like inverted. So the, that's what I read from the researchers that sometimes they'll get everything that's there, but not being able to put it together. The other interesting thing is those concentric circles that I drew on Friday, she drew them on Wednesday, which raises the question of who was remote viewing who. <laughs> you know, right. Because one of the things the research showed that, that, that transcends all time and space. So, um, and there was the other picture of the colonial house. Um, I drew also, you know, the, the day before she drew hers. So, um, but it struck me because, wait a second, here I was in New York and my physical brain was in my skull sitting in my dining room in New York. And, and this woman was sitting 3000 miles away with her brain in her skull skull you know so how is it possible for her to see what i was drawing something has to be extending beyond the brain and that's what uh, to me that was also compelling because i didn't read about it in a book i controlled this i knew there was no fraud involved so that started me um, um you know because to believe in life after death you first have to believe that something can act independ independently of the physical brain so when right. the brain's not there it's not implausible for something to continue so you know we, we, we're interested in all that stuff you know telepathy esp remote viewing distant healing where people can empower you know, prayer things of that nature it's a and i what i take from that too is that it seems like a trainable skill some people may be more natural at it um but it it, it sounds like anyone could have the ability if they choose to train themselves to do it because in a weird way it sounds like we're all kind of a, a, a collective of souls or consciousness that are all connected to begin with exactly we just we just yeah. choose most of us not to, <laughs> to harness yeah. that power yeah, you're exactly right. Um, and there are remote viewing schools, you know, even today that you can go to that where they teach you, um, you know, remote viewing that and even in these workshops, I've, I've looked at some of them and it's it's strange, like during the course of a workshop, all of a sudden somebody's drawing uh, an accurate depiction of a distant uh, uh, target, you know, so can't really explain it, but yet it happens, you know? And it was some simple things. We all go, I wanna mention that we all have some intuitive ability. How many times did like you feel somebody staring at you or you're thinking of a friend that you haven't talked to in 20 years. And then all of a sudden, like 10 minutes later, your phone rings and it's that friend or you open up yeah. and it's that friend, you know, picking up information, as you said, there's this collective consciousness and we're extracting 
you know, pieces of information from it. So I yeah, think, it's, it's interesting how, uh, and it makes sense that, that, again, not every premonition or dream comes true, thankfully, because I have some really bad, you know, uh, uh, a lot of my dreams are very depressing involving my children, um, you know, uh, so thankfully, you know, none of those are, uh, are yeah. have, have come to fruition. Um, but it, it does seem like, you know, again, if, if you're in the right mental state, yeah, it, it's, it's, a it's fascinating to, to me. I'm just, uh, it's all yeah. swirling around, like, uh, in my head. So I know. <laughs> so the words aren't coming out from well. This stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, in, in my wife's case, um, the two questions that I had were, uh, in my mind, there were only two possibilities. She was having a precognitive experience where some people are able to catch glimpses of a future event. Or the other possibility in my mind was somebody was sending her a message, in this case, a warning. Um, uh, so, and that somebody would be either somebody living or not living, you know. Uh, you know, communicating. So I still don't know the answer to that, you know, but I think both are possible. Let me ask you, I've been, I've been, you probably have seen me uh, writing a bunch of stuff down while, while we've been talking. Um, so I want to ask you about a couple, a few things that are, uh, I don't know if you have opinions on them, but I, they've just popped into my head while we've been talking. <laughs> So the first, I, I, you probably have some thoughts on, I, I would guess, is uh, one thing that came to mind was ghosts. Uh, and I, I've talked to a paranormal investigator on the podcast as well, who talked about the spirits and some of them linger. Uh, do you just, you know, again, and not, not that you've, maybe you have, <laughs> but if you haven't, that's totally okay to say, I, I don't know. But um I feel like ghosts, again, they wouldn't be precluded uh, from anything you've said. It, maybe they have that out-of-body experience where they float. Maybe they decided, nope, I'm staying here because I either don't want to go up there or I have unfinished business. Um, have you had any encounters or thoughts, uh, you know? Yeah, I mean, well, here's the thing. Um I don't like the term ghosts, you know, but because mm. it, it comes with, um, it's really a media creation. Um, yeah. And it comes with the, that fear element to it, you know, so people are fearful for ghosts, right. but ghosts are essentially apparitions, you know, apparitions of somebody that somebody deceased. So they are able to manifest their energy into physical form to make an appearance. Um, I've had, um, I've talked to countless numbers of people um, that have seen their deceased loved one, maybe sitting at the edge of the bed or, or catching a glimpse um, standing by the window and so forth. Um, so they're essentially visitations. But some people have been so conditioned by the media and by stories and books that instead of embracing it, you know, as a, with a, as a visit, they back away, you know, and they're fearful and then they, that apparition, you know, then dissipates or, or leaves. The other thing that you were talking about, um, 
there's such a thing called place memory. Uh, those are not conscious entities as opposed to an apparition, you know, or a ghost. Uh, the certain in, um, memories or, or um, actions are imprinted in a room, for instance, you know, let's say where something took place and um, you can't communicate with anybody, but they're stored memories, you know, for lack of a better term. And sometimes those memories, uh, you know, are released. So that's what, um, you know, you're picking up on, you know, that that's similar to what you might call, you know, a haunting, you know, because um, it's, you know, they're simply place memories. So there's this distinction There's conscious entities, you know, which would be ghosts or apparitions or non-conscious entities, which, which simply um, what people describe as, you know, as place, you know, uh, memory. So um, then you get into other things um, like you've seen in the movies, you know, or poltergeists, you know, which are yeah. usually attributed to some manic um, energy by one of the inhabitants in the house. And they're, they're causing by psychokinesis things to, to move, movement of objects, you know, mind can affect matter. Um, so, you know, that's another thing, but uh, yeah, it's a subject that most people are interested in. And, um, you know, I, I remember once I said, I met a, a woman at the retreat and I said to her, what would convince you out of everything, you know, cause she really wasn't convinced. What would convince you? She said, if I saw my daughter, you know, her deceased daughter, then I would believe. And about six or seven years went by and I saw her at another event and I remembered, you know, and she came up to me and she said, Bob, I have to tell you, I saw my daughter. She appeared to me in the bedroom. I said, really? And what happened? And she said, I was so goddamn scared that I just jumped, you know, and I ran away. And I said, you know, how sad is that? Your daughter's coming to visit you, but, you know, you have, this, you couldn't get over this fear, you know, and so instead of embracing it, you, you kind of sent it away. So I understand it. We're taught to be fearful of things that we can't perceive with our right. physical senses, you know, and um, maybe one day we'll reach a point where it becomes a regular form of communication. You know, there are many senses that we can't define, you know, like the sixth sense, you know, that um, are just as real as our, our physical senses, you know, and maybe we will um, learn to harness that, you know, and, and as the ancients seem to have done. Yeah, well, that's, I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll make a rough segue to the next thing, but that, that was a, a tremendous answer. And, uh, uh, More than you bargained for, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> and now this one, this one's the yeah. silliest one. All right. Aliens. Yeah. Uh, again, my thoughts are generally that none of these beliefs preclude aliens, but I've also talked to, I mean, I, I talked to a, uh, an astrophysicist who, who his main thing is scientifically proving that God exists. He believes in God, everything. He doesn't think there are aliens. Um, and, uh, you know, that ended up leading into like a multiverse conversation that's, that's, was way too complicated for for this brain to, to to understand but um i could see how someone would also say well it's a human thing we're all it's a consciousness the earth is just a a, a vessel for our consciousnesses to link 
and there are no such thing as aliens. Um, but I could also see the flip side. And again, I don't know if you have any thoughts or experience dealing with people who talk about aliens. So. Yeah, I, I do. Um, you know, personally, um, it's inconceivable to me that you could have this vast universe with millions and millions and millions of, you know, of planets and, and galaxies. And this tiny little speck that we live on, you know, Earth is the only place where life exists. It doesn't seem logical or, you know, even if you believe in the randomness um, and the Big Bang as opposed to design, either way, it just doesn't seem, you know, possible. So I definitely believe that there's, that there's life on other planets. I also question sometimes, you know, if you believe in reincarnation. Yeah, yep. <laughs> and that's featured in the in the Netflix documentary as well. You know, why do people reincarnate only to Earth? You know, maybe they could re reincarnate to a life that they had uh, on another, you know, uh, planet. What's also interesting is that many of these alien encounters uh, reports that you read about, when you read them, they seem very similar to these visions that 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 people have of when they encounter their loved ones, you know, uh, their deceased loved ones. You know, there there are a lot of similarities. So, um, who's to say that we're just we're interpreting it as an alien, but in fact, you could be just it could be just a visitation from a discarnate you know entity. So um, yeah, I, I see no reason why. And, and of course we think of life as this body, you know, that everybody has bodies like us, but maybe people on other planets um, are, are like what the afterlife is like. They, they, they communicate telepathically and there's no need for a body or they could manifest a body if they want it, you know? Uh, so, um, yeah, or life, or they could have a physical body that looks absolutely nothing like you know, like the human body. So, right. yeah, I, I, I believe that there's no question that, that there's life in some form um, on other planets. And, you know, I, I don't see aliens, you know, like I think about, I was thinking about this the other day. So we have all these huge monster, you know, satellite communication things to where, you know, people monitor 24 seven to see if they could pick up communications from, you know, aliens, but, communication that may not come through on something that could be picked up verbally it may be mind to mind so essentially what you need is really good intuitive psychic people you know uh, monitoring this stuff as opposed to you know physical uh, apparatus you know? yeah well and i i'd never thought of it until now like you were talking about other planets and and i i definitely think there's life out there but really I mean, who's to say, and, and this, I guess, could be brought back to our planet, is who's to say that other planet isn't a, a planet full of elephants or dogs or cats? Um, right. Who Now, that could beg the question also is, do the animals who inhabit Earth have spirits, souls, whatever, consciousness, or hmm. are they simply just background, like I one one person who I was when I was going through the internet looking at people who could talk about mediums one person claimed to be a pet medium so she could right. talk to your dead animal and I'm like yeah. I don't know if I buy that but by the same token a lot of people accuse me of being anti-animal which I'm not <laughs> but 
I don't like dogs or cats, um, mainly because I'm allergic to both. For the record, oh, well, that, well, that's a I'm, good reason. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love turtles. I'll I'll never eat a turtle, but I'll eat any <laughs> other animal on the planet. Someone said, "Here's a here's an endangered koala steak." I'd say, "Well, it's already dead. I'll eat it." Uh, I would not eat turtle. I've got a I've got a weird relationship. I've even got a turtle sitting, a fake turtle sitting right here on my desk. Yeah, <laughs> um, you know, um, in 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 medium readings, um, pets come through very often. Yeah. Um, and it's as, as I look at it as a form of evidence, because the person in spirit is trying to give you evidence to let you know that they still exist. So, you know, a pet and they describe a pet or a pet's name and so forth. And, and it also appears that that animals have consciousness that survives their physical death, too. But then, of course, where do you draw the line? Cats and dogs have consciousness Do cockroaches, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, so um, it appears that. There has to be some sort of a an advancement, you know, where consciousness for consciousness to survive. I don't really know the answer to that, but yeah, pets. It does seem that animals do um, wind up in the same place as us, you know, in, in the afterlife. <laughs> the um, where do you think now? You with the verification of the mediums, I feel like you and that foundation are are more in that realm but when do you think formal science is going to this is my beef i always i i've i've said several times on the podcast is it's like science just dismisses things like ghosts they don't study you know major science talks about this that the other you know anatomy biology all this stuff they don't talk about spiritual or paranormal however you want to classify it um what you do in verifying the mediums that that seems more like real science you even said it was a clinical type environment um but i feel like that's very uncommon um and i don't know if again this is this is the i don't know if you want to call it the conspiracy or the skeptic or the anti-popular person is it's like well big science is oppressing our investigation into th this stuff that that's my personal thought is that if you don't spend time to investigate it you're kind of for lack of a better term discriminating against it by not even acknowledging it as something you can study and under the guise of science yeah you're right and, and um there's a major uh prejudice in the scientific community with these things uh, the scientists and medical doctors and researchers that we work with have put the, have, have suffered um, in their careers because they were ostracized by many of their colleagues. Um, and the reason that the scientists are so afraid of it and they refuse to examine the evidence is that if this stuff is right, it challenges their education, it challenges their degrees, it challenges everything. Everything that they learn is upside down. So instead of looking at the evidence, they'll debate you and you'll say, well, did you read this study or that study? And no, why not? Because there is no, they have no answer for that, you know, because they just say, well, you know, this is woo-woo stuff. Um, there are places like um, that scientists, we don't conduct it as scientific research, but there are a lot of places that have. Uh, as I, I mentioned, the Winbridge Institute, I mentioned um, the University of Virginia, the Division of Perceptual Studies, and many other uh 
scientists around the world have replicated mediumship studies and they use blinded protocols. So the, you know, the medium doesn't know who the sitter is um, and there's different levels of blinding. So it reaches a point where you wonder how any communication takes place, but it eliminates the, the possibility of fraud or that you know there was mind reading take place and so forth. So science has figured out a way, and, and there have been studies in peer-reviewed journals, you know, to to examine you know you know mediumship as well as you know other stuff. I mean, um, near-death experiences. There have been studies where they put um, on the theory that somebody that's undergoing an NDE uh, can elevate above their body. They'll take they'll take a drawing of something and they'll put it near the ceiling. So the theory is when somebody's resuscitated, they can it, it, maybe they could tell us what they saw while they were above their bodies. And they they placed they did this study in many different hospitals around the world. So there's there's all sorts of things uh, ways that that science has figured out um, you know how to study these things in a you know, they don't lend itself to laboratory study because a lot of these phenomena are, uh, are spontaneous in nature. So they don't lend itself to laboratory, you know, study. But there's a there's certain value to anecdotal evidence if it becomes overwhelming. You know, if millions of people are experiencing and describing the same thing, you got to pay attention, you know, because that in itself is evidence. You know? Uh, yeah, significant sample size. Um, before I ask you for your plugs and where people can find you, if you have time, got one more one more topic I, I've written down that I've avoided asking uh, because it's the trickiest question. Uh, and I can ask it in a real short way, which I probably should. Is Do you believe there's a God? And that, that's the hardest thing out of all of this. I feel like nothing includes or precludes, you know, it, it, yeah. you can believe either way. Yeah, you know, it's, it is, it is a, an interesting and tough question. Um, I, like, was never a religious person, but I, you know, I, you know, did certain, certain rituals that, you know, in my religion, um, after uh, in my, my daughter, uh, died and now you know my wife has also passed I've become um, totally non-religious but I've become infinitely more spiritual you know and spirituality is essentially religion without the rules you know you believe that there's a collective consciousness like you mentioned um, and there may be a universal designer or if you prefer God um, so yeah I mean it makes sense to me even if you look at our physical earth, everything is seems to be put together, even the human body in such perfect order, you know, everything has a purpose that it's hard for me to believe that that was done in a total uh, random fashion. Um, where I differ from many people in the spiritual community, you know, you probably hear it said all the time, there are no coincidences, everything happens for a reason, um, you know, uh, I don't believe it, you know, what I've come to learn due to circumstances in my life. I believe that, yes, there was a God or a designer that put the, all this stuff together. But then that same, you know, designer said, okay, here's all the tools. You're on your own. You know, here's what I hope you would want to do, but I'm not going to interfere. So I think that which is, it's, it sounds ridiculous, but I'm saying that our physical lives 
are random by design. It's part of the design for this physical experience to be random. That's the only way that we can learn, you know, and grow. Now, after this physical life is over, similar to what the near-death experiences talk about, we can review, you know, how we reacted to all the challenges that were put before us. And maybe that's how we determine where we belong in the next realm or the realm after that and so forth. So long-winded answer to say, yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, and, and a very good answer. Um, Bob, I appreciate you joining me for all this time. I, I feel like I could ask you questions until, uh, until our physical forms are both deceased, but yeah. I won't do that. Uh, <laughs> Right. Uh, but Bob, where can uh, where can people go? Uh, websites or social media, wherever to uh, to find more about you. If this hopefully the siren's not being picked up on my microphone. Yeah, it's faint. Um, there we go. Well, for the, I mean, the website is, is our foundation. It's forever spelled out foreverfamilyfoundation.org. It has information on all the things you know that we've been talking about. Um, my book is called The Medium Explosion, and that you can, you know, get on Amazon. Uh, I also write a blog um, just so I can put my thoughts down so I don't explode. You know, it's called beyondthefivesenses.com. So those are the places uh, that people can find me. Anybody wants to write to me, my email is robert at foreverfamilyfoundation.org. Awesome. Well, hey. Uh, this has truly been a, uh, I, I don't know if you can tell from talking to me several times, my brain was spinning so fast, I, I kind of couldn't get words to work right. Uh, it's uh, been a fascinating discussion. And uh, I love talking about this kind of stuff. Um, so thank you so much for coming. My on. pleasure. My pleasure. Um, yeah, and, and this kind of stuff does have a tendency to make your mind a little crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I need to drink a lot tonight, so I don't have crazy drink. <laughs> you need an excuse, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, Any yeah. day that ends in a walk. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks very much. Yeah, thank you, Bob. All right. That's it. That's all. That's the episode. You don't have to go home, but that's probably where you're listening to me. Um, thanks to Bob Ginsburg. Uh, check out his links below. Um, definitely, you know, I don't want to become a metaphysical podcast, but I definitely love having guests like this and we'll have more, um, including some, uh, repeat guests, uh, that you may have heard from before. Um, Next week, I will tell you, I've got a, a, another doozy of a podcast that I absolutely just enjoyed the hell out of uh, recording. Uh, I get very personal in that one, um, uh, so I'll uh, leave that there, but uh, tune in next week for another great episode. Also, uh, you can go on my IMDB page, and I'm going to start trying to put out, you know, you can see future episodes, so I'm going to try to start leaving little teasers there if you're interested in a peek ahead of what's to come. And while you're there, rate the podcast and go rate the episodes, too. Uh, most of the episodes now have a public ranking or rating, uh, and that helps me know what you like to listen to. So 
go ahead. If there's an episode you particularly liked, go ahead. Give it a 9, 10 star rating. Uh, if there's one you particularly hated, give it a lower rating. Uh, and the podcast, of course, I would appreciate. Just give that 10 stars. Um, the link for the IMDb page is also in the show notes with everything else that I talked about. Ibotta, Flaviar, all of Bob's links, all of my socials. Do me a favor, click those things. It's all free for you. Uh, even downloading the Ibotta app is completely free for you. Flaviar costs you money if you sign up for a membership. But uh, aside from that, doesn't harm you to go like, follow, subscribe, and do all of those things. It's free for you, and it helps me. Um, and really, hey, make it a point. Do this with all your independent podcasts. Uh, you know, if you listen to the Jeff McAlino podcast or other podcasts from people, uh, you know, many of whom I've had on my podcast who, who just do it as a labor of love, but would like to try to make back some of the money they spend producing the show or make a little bit of a, of a profit for the hours and hours they put into it. You know, the very least you can do is give them a follow on Twitter, (laughs) you know, subscribe to the YouTube page. You know, I subscribe to so many YouTube channels, I still only see the ones that I actually watch um, because, you know, YouTube learns your algorithm and all that stuff. So, you know, do it a favor, not just for me, but for all of the uh, independent podcasts that you enjoy. Again, it, it, it's things that are free to you that mean so much uh, to creators and people like that. Um all right, I'm getting close to, uh, I'll, I'll just full disclosure, getting close to uh, there being an announcement about uh, the movie that I had teased that I will be in a feature film. Um, I will share that on all my socials when that is uh, announced. And uh, I've, got a, I've got a busy week of uh, podcasting ahead. I'm trying to jam in three episodes of recording next week in just two days. Um, I recorded an episode up in North Florida, my first one on the road away from the, uh, you know, famous Jeff McAlino studios located in St. Petersburg, Florida. Uh, I, I, uh, recorded one at, uh, the Joseph McAlino estate in North Florida. So that one will be coming to you as well. Um, August 1st. So trying to get a lot of episodes raring to go so that uh, when I maybe need to spend a few weeks committed to this uh, role, I don't have to worry about the podcast. I may even, you know, have some uh, pre-recorded intros and outros, so forgive me if I don't hit on current events, because you know that's what I do so often in uh, my intros and outros. (laughs) All right. Thanks again for listening. Uh, Thanks again for doing everything I asked you to do. And thanks again, mostly to Bob Ginsburg for uh, the outstanding conversation that I appreciated oh so much. See y'all next week.